0: Have you ever been told at some point in your life that you are not good enough, smart enough, strong enough, rich enough, or any reason really? This podcast is meant to teach, motivate, and inspire you to never lose sight of what your true passion is, and to always believe you are far more capable than you think. Welcome to the Why Not Me podcast with your host, David Barnes. Each week, we'll bring you a special guest that will truly motivate, inspire, and encourage you to never lose sight of who you are what it is you're meant to do and to offer valuable advice on what steps you can take to help you believe in yourself achieve your dreams and ultimately lead you to discover your purpose passion and
1: drive most people have to overcome adversity so this story is really about an underdog that that's not just you know got bullied and picked on but came from no money came from nothing but we all have a gift mm-hmm. It's up to us to find that gift. And once you find that gift, all you do is imply the P-I-C. The passion, the immersion, and the competition. And so that's what the story is all about um, is, is overcoming adversity and finding some mentors in your life that can help navigate you. Because like you said earlier, you know LeBron James and Michael Jordan and, and, and Bill Gates uh, and Elon Musk, I guarantee, you if if you interviewed them, they had somebody that helped them along the way that taught them something that was instrumental in their life and their and progression upwards.
0: Welcome back to the Why Not Me podcast. Today I have a special guest on that I know you're going to enjoy. Great background, great motivator, uh, inventor, entrepreneur, uh, and a friend of mine I've met through Todd Durkin's Mastermind Group, and super excited for you to meet Pete Holman. Pete is the 2022 idea fit leader of the year. He's an inventor of golf forever swing trainer, Nautilus Glute Drive, Escape Barrow, TRX Rip Trainer. He's also a physical therapist and a US National Taekwondo champion. Welcome to the show, Pete.
1: Hey, that was quite the intro. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Uh, so uh, so excited. Yeah, so excited to have you on. I'm I'm fired up to be here and you know, this is what it's all about, having some conversations about some, some tough subjects, hopefully, and some um, revealing information that will hopefully help inspire, motivate, or give somebody some action steps towards actualizing their human potential.
0: Absolutely. love that. And what I'd like to do is, like, I know a little bit about yourself and kind of where you came from and your background. But if you, if you can, let's start there. Let's start about talking about who is pete holman and talk a little bit about like you know your
1: background and your upbringing if you could well so i was adopted i think that's uh, you know where it starts and and um i was very young so i don't it wasn't traumatic or anything i don't remember it um but it's always been part of me if anybody out there has been adopted you know there's a certain feeling about right like whoa that's intense um and I was but I was raised by very loving parents my mother and my father and at 7 years old my parents uh sat us down and said we're getting a divorce and of course my sister and I were like wait what <laughs> you know right. uh and so that was kind of the first big trauma I had in my life I moved with my my mother and my sister to Denver Colorado this was uh, when I was 7 years old and a couple of years later um my mother had fallen in love with another woman So Mm -hmm. now I, my father wasn't really around. He was still living in New York and we were in Denver and I was being raised by these two women. And so it was just a very unique um, situation. It wasn't, I I wouldn't say it was hard or easy. It was just different and unorthodox. And back then, uh, homosexuality was not, it was very taboo. It was in the eighties and late seventies, early eighties. And so that brought with it its own sense of um, uh, confusion as right. for a young man that, that's a heterosexual male. Um, when I was in middle school, that's kind of when you know maybe my second trauma in my life occurred and I was being bullied. We were in a new school. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents, bless their hearts, they tried to send us, well, they they did send us to a private school for two years. And they were educators, both my mother and my father were um, doctors in psychology. And so they wanted us to have this, you know, experiential, you know, learning at at a prep school. So for two years, we went to a prep school, but we never really fit in, my sister and I. So we were always in trouble and kind of always felt like the odd, you know, odd person out. And I started getting bullied a lot. And it was very traumatic to me. I think it was the combination of being adopted, being raised by um, two females, and kind of that was a secret in our family. Right. And then getting getting bullied and getting locked in lockers, and and it created a lot of trauma. And it wasn't until high school that I I kind of turned my life around. And I want to share a story because this is um, twofold story: one, being on the mentor side and being on the receiving side, and being open up to right. experiences in your life and to mentors. So I'm a junior in high school. And this, I think this previous trauma had caught up to me. I'm drinking, I'm drugging. I just was useless in my junior year of high school. I didn't play one sport. I was a three-sport athlete my junior year. Didn't play one sport. And again, I was just a mess. It's the last day of school. I'm packing up my locker and my buddies are like, hey, we're in the parking lot. You know, we're gonna go start partying. It's the last day of school. Right. So I pack up my locker. I'm heading out to the parking lot. And I hear these weights clanking, like really loud clanking of weights and banging of weights. And I walk by the strength and conditioning facility at our high school. Mm -hmm. And there's a big banner above the the door. And it said, fall football season starts now. And now is in big, you know, bold letters. And so I just, you know. I Again, I was a three-sport athlete the previous year, so I'm kind of interested. I'm kind of on my way out to go party, so I just thought, well, let me look in the window and see what's going on in there, and I saw Ron Kaiser, and there's actually a dude on a team named Jeff Musselman, and he was a muscle man, um, and, and these guys were in there lifting weights, and I kind of got intimidated and nervous, and I started to back away from the door, and just then, whoosh, the door opens, and it's a right. strength coach. And he looks me in the eyes and he says, are you going to sit there staring through the window? Or are you going to step inside and train with champions? Right now, granted, keep in mind our football team was terrible. <laughs> so right. I'm not sure what he was even talking about, but right. he said it was such conviction that I literally just, it, and also I was really scared because, you know, here I, you know, had been drinking a drug and drugging, I wasn't in the weight room. I was, I was underdeveloped. I was undersized. I was young for my age. It just, Just everything was off, but I stepped inside and that day changed my life. And he, he didn't just, you know, figuratively open the door for me into my life of strength and conditioning and health and wellness and vitality. It's turned into an entire career for me, but he literally opened the door and said, and kind of nudged me in. And, you know, that moment changed my life forever.
0: And who, and was, um, was that the one person or or moment that kind of helped shaped you? Would you say that was your kind of defining moment and shaped who you are, helped you kind of where you at to who we are today?
1: 100% because it's, it, it was, it, it encapsulated a lot of things in one moment. First of all, it was somebody else that didn't know me, didn't know me from Adam that, that was his whole mission in life. And and by the way, one of the things that's most amazing about this guy that opened the door is to this day, I don't know his name. I do not know the strength coach's name. He wasn't looking for adoration or acknowledgement or, you know, trying to find the next best athlete for his team. He just wanted to change a young, a young adolescent's life. And so, Folks of you out there that are in the position to maybe open that door for somebody younger or somebody that's new in your field, your profession, mm-hmm. your church, your, your you know, high school sport team, you know, it, it's it's up to you to open that door and, and help influence somebody. And then also just in this day of everybody wants the, the letters behind their name, the acknowledgement, mm-hmm. the Instagram likes and, the, you know, 100,000 followers, million followers. It's really not about that. It's about trying to impact one person and fundamentally change their life. So, so that's the first thing, you know, just being a mentor and and trying to open the door. The second thing is you got to take the chance when you get it right. I could have said, you know, I'm good. Thanks coach. I'm going to party with my buddies in the parking lot. I mean, how, how would my life have changed if I didn't step in the door? So there's times in your life when you're going to have opportunities you're going to be presented with risks and challenges and, and adversities. And what are you going to do with it? You know, right. you, you got to take some risks. You got to try to experience some things in life and step through the door. If after a week or two weeks or two months or two years, you decide that's not for me, you can always bow out. Um, but right. but yeah, that's 100% the moment that, that changed my life because it introduced me to a not just um, a physicality. But right. it was an empowerment. When you get in a gym, for folks that are not actively going to a gym or training at their house, I'm telling you, it will fundamentally change your life because it's the most empowering thing you can do. It's the only thing, by the way, that you can truly control in your life. Right. You can't Absolutely. control uh, your your partner or your spouse you can't con- I've got a 16 year old kid you sure as hell can't control your kids okay. I'm trying to, to save my life but uh, this kid man um that's another topic yeah uh, you can't control uh, the stock market that just fluctuates even the, the top analysts are just scratch their heads every day at the stock market you certainly can't control what's happening happening in the political atmosphere right. you turn on the news and it's just haywire the only thing you can really control is uh, what what you do daily your your rituals your habits you know are you stretching out a little bit are you getting a little exercise in getting that heart rate up empowering right. yourself to to feel better to look better what you're consuming on a daily basis obviously we're gonna have you know pizza and ice cream and go right. to kids parties and this stuff but man are you eating a salad every day just you know feed your body your body is gonna take you uh, to the end of the journey so. You just got to take care of yourself. But that's the biggest thing is just <laughs> mentoring somebody, opening the door for somebody else. And then for yourself, stepping in that door now and again and and exposing yourself to an opportunity that might just change your life.
0: Right. And uh, I want to go back to you were talking about, you know, your story initially, you know, with your mom and and your uh, your your upbringing at that point and how you're talking about you're being bullied and things like that because a lot of that goes on a lot of bullying back when we were in school is a lot different than the bullying that's going on now and it's a topic that I think is a sensitive one that mm. a lot of kids or parents who may be listening or struggling with that right now and um, it could be something going on in their home life that you know that they're that's bringing them into school what you know for certain reasons maybe their self-confidence is lacking or Mm -hmm. they're not confident um what and and you were and you said you mentioned it earlier you brought up what your parents were very loving to you when you when you were adopted and 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 a lot of people don't have that but talk to the people who are listening about that who maybe experienced that feeling um and how that you know how you changed that narrative when just you know walking into that school and a coach that changed your life but like how how would you advise somebody
1: to kind of overcome that yeah I mean the first thing I I think I would say is that you got to give yourself time I think what's happened at least in modern society is that everything we do and engage in there's a sense of urgency and and um and, and efficiency models to everything. I mean, you think about it, you go in to get a cup of coffee. I was in Starbucks this morning. I actually don't really drink coffee, but every once in a while when I do a podcast, I'm like, I want to get juiced up a little bit here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I feel like I'm going to explode. So <laughs> forgive me if I'm talking fast or not making sense. No, I love it. I love but it. So I go into Starbucks and, and I fall prey to this also. There's like four or five people in line and I'm like, oh, come on. What's right. going on? You know, let's go. You go to Europe, right? And you have a cup of coffee. It's an hour and a half experience. People okay. get g- grab a coffee and a croissant. They okay. sit and they chat with friends. They chat with coworkers. Family members come by the, the little cafe on the street corner. They ha- they they they're eating their croissant and reading the daily paper. It's it's they're slowing down to enjoy life. Well, I feel like we're speeding up to to get through it. Absolutely. And, And the problem with that is that it puts this model in your head that everything has to happen at a certain cadence. What I realized, (laughs) I'm a slow developer. As I look back in my life, everything has happened slowly. And I'm going somewhere with this. This is very important. So listen to this story. I'm a very slow developer. First of all, I went to school and I was kind of early for my my. Mm Grade, right, I graduated high school when I was 17. Mm-hmm. And so all my friends had their driver's license, had cars. I was 15 years old. Right. Um, other kids that were fully developed, you know, we we had those dudes in our class that had full facial, you know, beards right. at 16, <laughs> 17 years old. I mean, I literally didn't even have hair on my legs, you know, and I got right. bullied for that. I got made fun of because I was very late going through puberty. And then, of course, I was young for my age.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I didn't find my sport, although I played every sport you can imagine. I mean, from so- soccer was my main competitive sport, but I played lacrosse. I played football, baseball. I was a good baseball player, um, basketball. I, I grew up in Colorado skiing. I thought I wanted to be a ski racer at one point. It wasn't until I was 20 years old working at a health club that I fell in love with the martial arts. Mm-hmm. And two years later, I was a black belt. And that year, my coach said, Pete I don't know what you've been drinking but you're really progressing fast I think you've got a chance for trying out for the national team and I said what national like I didn't even know what he was talking about he said yeah every year there's a U.S. national tryout and you compete at a national tournament and they select a group of seven guys to to be represent the U.S. and go to the world championships so I'm like all right I'll try it you know I made my national team after only training for three years in martial arts. Five years later, I was the team captain at the World Championships in St. Petersburg, Russia. Mm -hmm. And so my point is that it's okay if you develop slow, and it's okay if you're getting bullied. Because bullying today creates the winners of tomorrow. It creates... The, the Bill Gates, it creates the Elon Musks, it creates the LeBron James of tomorrow. I'm not saying LeBron James was bullied, but right, right. you've got it, you've got, you know, you have to take some deep breaths, you got to know that this is a blip in time. There was one, I'll never forget, I'm in seventh grade, these kids were bullying me after practice. And again, I was very late developing. So although I was an elite level athlete later in my life, that was in my 20s. When right. I was young, I was just kind of, I grew really fast. I was awkward. I was gangly. I, I wasn't coordinated. And these kids locked me in the locker. And mm-hmm. it was kind of, you know, everybody was laughing and joking. And even myself, I it wasn't, I mean, I was embarrassed and humbled. But it wasn't that big of a deal until everybody left. Mm-hmm. And then the locker room got quiet. And i it was, this was after school. I'm locked in a locker after school it starts getting dark in there there's no voices now i'm nervous and scared and i'm humiliated at this point and the janitor comes by and the janitor kind of here you know I, I honestly didn't even want to say anything because i was so embarrassed and then of course i kind of had to whimper and said hey you know c- can you let me out and this janitor lets me out And I kind of, I couldn't look him in the eyes. I had like a little tear rolling down the side of my cheek and he grabbed me by the arm and he, and he stopped me. And he said, son, look at me. And I looked him in the eyes and he said, man, this is a blip in time. This doesn't define you. And then he let go of my arm and he walked away. And to this day, it really, it's one of those memories where like sometimes I'm going through something I take three deep breaths. That's by the way, that's one of my mantras is three deep breaths. Whenever you're stressed out or freaked Mm -hmm. out, whether it's at your kid or at a coworker or your spouse, just take three deep breaths and let your, you know, parasympathetic nervous system kick in and let your frontal cortex work a little bit. Don't react. But what that guy said was so profound and impactful this is a moment in time. And I think that's what most people that are, when they're being bullied or when they're in that spot of darkness and that spot of humiliation and that, that spot of despair and hopelessness, it's a blip in time. That's not going to define your life. And so you just got to get through that blip and uh, trust me, there's brighter days on the horizon. Um, So, you know, that's, that's kind of how I got through some of those adverse situations.
0: Yeah, that's, it's, um, it's incredible to hear and experience. And I, and I got a little bit of goosebumps kind of talking about how you feel because um, me, me personally, I was a late developer, as athlete as well. So mm-hmm. I was very skinny and, and wiry and, you know, and I use sports as my Avenue to not get picked on. I mean, was, we talk about getting picked on when you move, right in the middle to a new city. And I write about this in my book. I, I moved to a new city right in the middle of my eighth grade year. Now you're talking about going to a new city, a rough city, and meeting new friends and being, you know, very awkward. And you're at that seventh, eighth grade kind of age. And um I had this kind of Larry Birds for her basketball fans out there, Larry Bird kind of <laughs> haircut and really thick, wavy you know hair and these big old glasses that I mean I mean I you, looked were
1: a tar- you were a target
0: yeah yeah I mean I look like a Brady Bunce character I could have been <laughs> on the show <laughs> I'm dating dating myself in our age but and uh, it was very I remember thinking I was so upset and angry with my parents for moving us you know at, at that age and you know, I don't know that in this, it wasn't anything intentional. I don't know that they even thought that there was, it would be an issue, you know, going to a new city for, because for them it was relocating for a job. And, and it was something that my, you know, my dad had an opportunity. So we said, let's go. So, but I used app, you know, I became friends with a lot of athletes. And I remember talking to them and being encouraged by one of my friends in eighth grade. He's like, just come out. He's like, you're fast runner. He's like, why don't you just come out and try out for the, you know, track and soccer and basketball teams, I said, well, I'm not a very good basketball player. She said, but you're fast. So, you know, so I started learning these sports and making these friends and earning a respect and all of a sudden being viewed differently and how that helped my confidence at the time. It was so, I remember that feeling. It was very um incredible to be i felt respected and i never felt that you know going up until that point like always you know like shying away from the spotlight and not be around crowds and things like that but it was interesting that once you stepped out on that field or that court you had that sense of confidence that like you're on a different stage and you're viewed differently and uh those friends of mine that i made and you know that encouragement and then i got into high school and you know my first meeting was with a junior who this guy was recruited by pretty much every division one college in America for a track scholarship. and and he was like, you know, look man, he's like, you're a freshman. He's like, but you've got a gift. he's like, so come out, you know you need to come out and try out for the team and and as a freshman, I was beating juniors and seniors and he, you know and wait a minute
1: went, what what so what events what was your specialty?
0: So I ran the um the hundred meters, the two hundred meters, uh, and then I really just got thrown into the four hundred meters, and that ended up being my event. So
1: oh, you, you chose the nastiest one of the
0: three, right? <laughs> it was it was awesome too because you know just being anyone being part of a team when you're part of a relay team. If you watch, if you're a fan of the Olympics mm-hmm. and you're watching, you know the the synchronization of you know the handoffs and the timing and all that and I just, it was speed is speed, but if you can't work as a group, you know, and in timing, uh, it was just, you're going to fail miserably. So he brought me out there and my coach was like, try to run. I want our senior was sick. I want you to run this race. And it was a 400 meter race and ended up winning. So, (laughs) like so, you know, so he was like, okay, you're going to be on the relay team. And I was like, okay. So, and then we get through our freshman season and one of our Uh, juniors or seniors at the time got hurt. So that individual said, you know, the seniors voted the coach. Like, who do you want to be the alternate to replace? um, You know, uh, I think his name was Tyler at the time. And I'm trying to remember his, his name exactly, but in any event, he, he said, David. And I was like, wow. I was, I mean, I was honored. And to be trusted by these seniors, like this is their senior year. And they're, they're voting me in essentially as a freshman to take a place of somebody who run with for two or three years. So it was, It was an awesome feeling so i just developed confidence and i remember taking when they graduated taking that role of you know of looking for somebody like me to 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 mentor you know on the track team and and eventually um soccer and basketball so those other sports you know didn't come naturally to me so but the confidence that i got i gained from those was just phenomenal so sports is, is definitely an avenue fitness is an avenue to develop that confidence if you're in those situations. I feel like if you're being bullied or being picked on and a lot, and like I said earlier, the way we were picked on back then is a lot different than kids are picked on now. And um, it's a lot of it is through social media. It's a little bit different, but uh, I think if you can lean in direction of something like that, it will go a long way.
1: And by the way, just to dovetail on what you said, I think our sports are so tremendous in building leadership and character and all those intangibles uh, working with a team, but any being part of any team, it could be the robotics club, it could right. be the debate team, it could be. Uh, I just recently judged a, a thing called DECA, and folks out there may or may not know about DECA. It's a business. Um, my daughters, my daughters, in that. Oh, it's it's yeah. so unbelievable. It's 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 a club that focuses on business and entrepreneurialship, and and you compete at these local and regional and national events. And it is just the most phenomenal thing. I can't believe I wasn't part of that in high school. I don't even remember that. But um, the point is just being part of any team. It doesn't have to be a sports team. It helps develop you and helps develop character. And it gives you a sense of purpose and pride. And when you have pride and confidence and you have something else going on in your life, uh, other than, you know, moping around and feeling sorry for yourself, just does wonders. So just again... If that door opens up and it's a chance to try a debate team or a robotics team or or an aviators, you know, in Aspen, we had these aviator um, program where you could learn to fly as a student. I mean, can you imagine learning how to fly commercially as a student? You just got to step through that door sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's it's the opportunities are amazing. and And whether it's sports or some sort of club or other group. I can't encourage anyone who's listening to this who who may be struggling with that now to even as an adult to seek out something like that, because being part of something and being, you know, and I'll, and I'll just speak to like my age now and joining like a mastermind group for me as a business <laughs> or as entrepreneur is just being around like minded individuals or, you know, as Todd says, your fellow fire breathing dragon kind of folks who, <laughs> uh, who inspire you and it's, it really takes you to a different level. So And I would can encourage that enough. So um, Pete, let's talk about your, your uh, personal development and growth and kind of some, you know, let's talk about some of those points um, on how you develop and steps you took to develop yourself personally and professionally and kind of to where you are now, because you, I mean, I I mean, I, first time I heard you speak, I mean, and I think at the time, I'm not sure you had somebody punching you in the stomach at Todd's, Todd's retreat. And I was like, Good gracious! This guy's firing everybody up. I'm like, I was fired I don't even know how to box now. I wanted to fight. I was like, i me jump in there. But like, uh, you know, so what kind of talk a little bit about that if you could? You know, your development, and your growth, and your passions, and, and you know how the the steps that you that you had taken to kind of get those to where you are right now.
1: Yeah, I well, I always tell people it's about the P I C the pick, passion, immersion, and competition. And so to me, it's, you know, it sounds like a simple formula. Obviously, there's some work to find what your passion is. But if you're not doing something you're passionate about, if you're not playing a sport that you're passionate about, by the way, it took me 20 years to figure out that what that was. If you're not in a business or or following a career trajectory that you're passionate about, it's just going to be very hard to succeed. Uh, You know, um, people, I'm a product developer and innovator now. Mm -hmm. And so people... Oftentimes come to me and they say, hey, would you like to get involved? I've got a product. I've got an idea. Would you help me launch it? Will you?" And as much as I, so sometimes I'll consult with them, but I never to this date, I've never been able to get on board with somebody else's project because I don't have the the fire and the passion in my heart. It's not my project. It's not my product it's not my innovation now when it's mine when it came out of my own vision mm-hmm. and when i went into the garage and started tinkering and making prototypes and then when i went to the fabricator and made a, an official prototype and when i got it licensed or when i launched the product on my own man now i'm fired up it's and i'm speaking from the heart it's organic it's authentic mm-hmm. so the first thing is find your passion um the second thing is immersion you know, you, if you want to be successful at anything, we talked about sports, you know, you had some natural aptitude for track, but how often did you practice? Did you stretch? Did you train? Did you do your sprints? You know, did you train on the weekend when everybody else was partying and sleeping in and hanging out? No, you were up at 7am on a Saturday morning training, getting another workout in. So you've got to immerse yourself in whatever it is you're doing. When I fell in love with martial arts, the coach was so impressed with me because I had really good feet. And I think that came from soccer. I was a competitive soccer player. So I was very good at, with my, my motor control and my dexterity of my lower extremities. Right. And so he would show me a kick and I would, I'm not saying it was perfect, but I would be able to emulate the kick on day one. And he just, his jaw was on the ground. He's like, this is a sidekick. Nobody can do a sidekick <laughs> on day one. And I, I kind of had, you know, the fundamentals down on day one. And obviously it took years to, to, you know, master that. Right. But but he also said, hey, one thing I noticed about you is that you're kind of stiff. You know, I think I was 20 years old and I was starting to work out a lot. And when you work out a lot, you can get stiff. And I of course, I never stretched. I mean, mobility right. back then was almost mm-hmm. frowned upon. You just wanted to be stiff and sore and and right. jacked. Right. Like Arnold right. Schwarzenegger. That's, right. That's right. So this coach said, hey, I noticed at the start of class when we stretch, you're pretty stiff. And if you could stretch out, you have the ability to do what's called a high kick meaning mm-hmm. instead of just kicking somebody in the abdomen you could kick them in the head which is by the way more points right. and um and and it's pretty effective when you can change levels on somebody like that so what did i do i stretched not once a day but twice a day for for mm-hmm. it, until i could do a head kick and granted it took 9 months i think to to stretch out to that level but all of a sudden the whole my my skill set was amplified because now I had the mobility, but it was that immersion. So anyhow, immerse yourself in whatever it is you're doing. And the final step in this pick protocol, passion, immersion, and then competition at some point you got to compete. So I was a blue belt training in this one club. I was in Littleton, Colorado in a, in a health club. And by this point I was the biggest, strongest, fastest, you know, I wasn't the most skilled Right. But I was the biggest, strongest, fastest, and nobody could really spar with me. And my coach sat me down and he said, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do because you're my star pupil. But you need to go train at a different school. Mm-hmm. I got to give you to a to my sensei who trained me. And so I went to Lakewood, Colorado, which was more, you know, kind of inner city, a, big, a much bigger pool. I went in there. There was 20 plus black belts in this class. Mm-hmm. Um now some of them were younger but some of them were older some of them were grown men you know 35 years mm-hmm. old this one guy Mr Benton was 65 250 60 pounds and wow. at the end of class you line up and you we spar right part of getting better is you spar and you right. you do what's called the what well what my coach called the gauntlet and so it was all the black belts you know lined up about mm-hmm. 10 12 deep and then everybody else would line up against them and spar and so you just 30 seconds you'd spar this person that person and let me tell you i was i thought i was kind of a badass you know here i am a blue belt my coach says you're too good for everybody here so he sends me to this other class and so i'm walking tall i'm kind of cocky i got a little bit of a swagger and man the first day we sparred and i'm telling you i got kicked around like a pinball and I never forget Mary fleet who was on the U S national female team. Right. But I finally, so I, I got my butt kicked by this dude and then that dude. And then Mr. Benton, the guy that was six foot five, he like punched me in the stomach so hard. I, I, you know, lost my breath for 30 seconds. And then finally I get this gal, Mary fleet who was, you know, maybe five foot, nine, 155 pounds. I thought finally somebody I can push around. <laughs> She kicked me in the stomach. I thought my spleen was about to fall out. So the point is at some point you got to open yourself and expose yourself to compete. And if you have a bad day competing, it's okay. I wanted to quit after day one. And the coach said, Hey, here I've got a a black eye and a, a blood trickling down my nose. And the coach pulled me aside and said, Hey, you're really good. Great. First day. And I looked at him, I said, are you like blowing smoke at me? And he said, Oh, right. you really, you fought some my best guys. And and you you went toe to toe with them. And that shows me a lot about you. And so anyhow, um, PIC, passion and immersion and compete.
0: Nice. Well, that was, I mean, that's an experience that, you know, when you talk about if once you go through those, um, those routines of getting better and, and putting in the work, it, a lot of people tend to shy away from that. So you didn't, you, you went, you jumped right into it and, uh, it's okay to fail. It really is. I mean, I, I mean, I must have failed and lost many races, um, prior to even trying to think when I got into high school and, and really just challenge myself and figured out, you know, just because you're fast there, there's always somebody out there trying to outwork you or, you know, no matter if you're, or. Oh whether you're in business or you're not, if you're not an athlete, there is somebody out there, no matter what you're doing, is trying to be better. And when it comes down to time to compete or put yourself in that position, you want to be prepared for that moment. So you have to put the work in and you're hundred percent correct in what you, how you prepared and how, when I was an athlete, how I would prepare. So, People thought, who's this guy running around after school? Because I went to a trade school. Why is he running up the hill in work boots and not why he, why doesn't he have sneakers on? Um, our track coach was very old school. Like I'm talking like Mickey from Rocky Rob Balboa, where you know, you're running up this hill, we didn't have a track, we had to run, we had to get creative. So mm-hmm. um his methods probably were a little, not a little, they probably were unorthodox <laughs> for for anyone who's going through an athlete or a runner now or a sport that uh why is your coach making you do this and it's not really making sense but and, and when, my point is he was making us better how he thought it was and and we if he was watching if we were going to put the work in and he he noticed that I, David is putting the time in he's trying to get better so definitely encourage everybody to do that um and P, I want to shift over to kind of leadership talk about leadership and um how to identify um you know, you talked about purpose a little bit earlier, but how to how to really identify that and 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 the leadership qualities uh, that somebody needs if they want to be in a you know a leadership role for a company or a sports team or just being that. And and you know, we talk about this in our group is being an entrepreneur. You are you are a leader. Your title doesn't matter. Um, how do you how would you define leadership? And then uh, the other part of that would be you know, what, or maybe who guided you, um, to want to lead others. Cause you know, when I view you and I heard you speak, I'm like, this guy's a leader, like, and you got so much going on. You're an inventor, a business person, you know, you're a dad. So like, what does, you know, it, who is that person for you? And then the last part of that is, um, you talk about passion and purpose a little bit prior when we start talking, but what does purpose mean to you and how would you say, um, or what would you say to that person if someone came up to you today and say, Hey Pete, like I'm really struggling um, to identify mine?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, leadership, I you know, it's really challenging in this day and age because we've lost uh our our leadership qualities. In fact, this morning it was crazy. So I'm I'm on YouTube and sometimes in the morning I've got this ritual where I'll I'll do some work and I'll put on classical masterpieces. So I grew up I think I mentioned both my parents were Mm -hmm. um, doctors of psychology. And so they were kind of this, you know, I don't think they were, but they thought they were these socially elite people and they would listen to classical music and they really immerse themselves in this kind of, you know, educated, uh, you know, you know, paradigm. And, and so anyhow, I fell in love with classical music. So in the morning, sometimes I put on classical music. So I'm on YouTube, I put on classical masterpieces and, and, you know, it's like Mozart, and then Beethoven comes on, and then Handel, and then Vivaldi. And then all of a sudden, YouTube has these commercials, right? So then a commercial comes on, and I kind of hear this hip-hop music. I'm like, well, what is this? And it's an it's a it's an ad for like some guy's new hip-hop, you know, a- um album or, or single that just dropped. Right. And so I'm first of all, I'm trying to figure out the algorithm because Facebook or uh, YouTube usually has you pinned. Right. You Mm -hmm. know, I would expect like a Tesla commercial to come on or, you know, something of that. But no, this was a hip hop commercial. So I'm watching this commercial and it's it's kind of like a video. And so the guy starts out and he's in bed with a woman. You know, So I'm like, what? And so then his buddies are knocking on the door and they're like, come on in, you got to come with us. It's time to go. And so he goes with his buddies and they show him kind of pimping himself out in the mirror, mm-hmm. putting on Gucci belts. And so he's got this swag and then he goes. And the next thing you know, they're just partying and they've got stacks of money and they're spreading, throwing money in the air. It's just I'm like, oh my gosh, we are in trouble. This <laughs> is not the leadership that we're looking for, right? <laughs> leadership has to do with authenticity. First mm-hmm. of all, you're in the trenches, you know, that to me, that commercial should have started out with, here's the guy in his basement, right? In a dingy right. basement with concrete surrounding him. And he's writing down lyrics in the, yeah. and, and the, the alarm goes off. It's 5am in the morning and he gets up and he's writing on lyrics. He's working. Mm-hmm. He's, He's in the trenches. He's practicing his trade and his craft, and he's trying to per- perfect it. Right. That's that's how leaders emulate mm-hmm. uh, leadership is, first of all, they're in the trenches. Um, second thing they do is it's about it's not about themselves and looking good and flashy and look right. at all the, you know, attractive women I'm with and the cars I'm driving and the money I'm, you know, making it's it's about the greatest good for the greatest amount of people. How, how are you helping others? You know, what are you doing? You know, Warren Buffett, he's into philanthropy and charitable contributions and supporting other people and mentoring. You know, Alex Rodriguez, you know, calls Warren Buffett up out of the blue and Warren Buffett's like, I don't know anything about professional baseball, but let me talk to this guy. Maybe I can help him out. Next thing you know, A-Rod has you know, he's got TV shows, he's on Shark Tank, he's, he's got investment um, deals, he's got a car dealership in in Texas, a Mercedes Benz dealership, he's writing books, he's like, he's he was mentored by somebody that was a leader Mm -hmm. that wanted to bring out the best in other people. So right, um, it's about the greatest good for the greatest amount of people. Um, It's also about accountability, leaders have no problem. I was in a situation the other day i'm getting a new cell phone from from at&t so i go in there mm-hmm. and i don't know if you've ever done this everybody's gotten a cell phone so maybe you can commiserate with me right but you go in there and they they kind of sell you this new cell phone you oh it, it's you can trade in your old phone you mm-hmm. get 800 bucks off it the new phone's only 300 this that and the other well right. then start kind of once you're hooked in you're like oh this is great no problem and they start telling you about these fine details about well it's not really an 800 credit it's a three-year contract and we give you a 30 dollar credit each month right so you're kind of like, well can i just pay the 800 up front and then just my bill will be normal no it doesn't work that way and then by the way you have to accept insurance but you can decline insurance at a later point in time so there's an 18 dollar a month insurance fee and right. he says but well, i can swipe it off you're you're you have to pay for it now, but I can remove it from your account at a later point in time. Right. So at this point, I'm starting to get a little agitated, and I said, right. "That's not really ethical business practice." I mean, if I don't want insurance, why do you right. have to charge me for it, and then I have to remember at a future point in time to, to retract that? Right. And so now I'm starting to get a little a little short with the guy. I was mm-hmm. never rude. I was never hostile. I wasn't cussing. Right. I just was like, right, a little agitated. Long story short, I go back in. Uh, yesterday to to get my phone. And I thought about it. And I said, this guy's working at AT&T. It's not his policies that he came up with, right? He's kind of the bad guy, the middleman, right? I said, look, I think I was a little rough on you last time. And I, from the bottom of my heart, I apologize. These aren't your policies, you're doing your job. And you did a great job with me. You did a great job setting up my right. phone today. And I really appreciate you. And right. I just gave him an apology. No right. excuses. No, it was a rough day. No, uh, you know, I, I was struggling, blah, blah, blah. I just blew it. And right. so I think true leaders take accountability for their actions. And that's how you grow. Right. And then the final thing that a leader does is they take risks. Right. They step through the door. Um, they, they, you know, when the lights are shining the brightest, that's when they come to play their best. You know, right. they bring out the best when the best is needed. And and true leaders, you know, they take risks, they don't sit on the sidelines. They're the, the man or the woman in the arena. So um leadership, it, it is not an easy thing to do. It's sometimes, you know, when all the salmon are swimming upstream, you're swimming the opposite direction, and people look at you like this guy's nuts. What is he right. or this gal is crazy? What does she think she's doing? Um, but but that's that's what leaders do. Um and then, I think. And then yeah.
0: He, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. So, at when you're talking about that, just leadership and kind of t- defining what what that means to you, and and what what was that person like? What was that time or that per, was there a person that? Because I mean, you're a well-spoken guy and you're super smart, and you know I enjoy hearing you speak when I get the opportunity. So, and your parents were you know great inspirations to you, but were they the person like where did you get those that ability to lead i mean for you i mean uh was there some one person that really kind of inspired you or was it a combination of people
1: yeah thanks for asking i mean i i do hearken back to my my second coach in taekwondo his name was dale burkhart Mm -hmm. and this was the coach remember i went to his class when i was a blue belt and he basically took me from a very green blue belt. Um, I mean, green in experience to a black belt. And he was the one that got me on the U.S. national team. He's He was the one that inspired me and uh, in my leadership capabilities to become the team captain at, in 97. Right. And which was a by the way, the team voted on that. It wasn't something you applied for. It just right. the team got together and they they all chose a captain and they chose me. Um this guy Dale Burkhart he was the most humble guy. You could tell he he was for you. Whatever you were going through, whatever struggles. My my father died when I was 26. Hmm. And this was right before our a national event. Well, 3 months I say right before it was 3 months. So, you know, when you start training for nationals, it's it's a ramp up and you're, you know, 3 yeah. months out, you're you're you know training 8 days a week. You're putting in the work, putting in the time, and you're laser focused because three months goes by like a snap. And so my father passes away. I fly to Washington, D.C. to bury him uh, and say my goodbyes. I'm in graduate school, physical therapy graduate school. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a complete mess, a complete wreck. Um, And I told my coach, I said, "I, I don't think I can train right now. Right. And he was so smart. You know what he told me? He says, oh, I, I totally agree. You shouldn't train at all. He said, I tell you what, all the other kids and all everybody in the class looks up to you so much. It would mean the world to me if you just showed up for class. You'd maybe help me coach a little bit, even if you just sat and watched and, and kind of were there. It, your presence was there. It would really help inspire some of the other kids in class. And he was so smart. He knew that once I showed up at class, I'm not going to sit there and watch, I'm right. going to train and compete. So I show up at class, I'm kind of sad and sulky. And, and he said, maybe you, can you just help me coach? And then the next thing you know, I did help him coach the first night, then the second night I said, I, I'm not a good coach right now. I'm an athlete. I'm a competitor. I'm going to start training. So he just had a way about him of, of being humble, bringing other people's, uh, you know, um, up to up to snuff and, and right. kind of the greatest good for the greatest amount of people. Right. And then at the end of the day, he he walked the walk. I mean, this guy trained, he was, you know, he would he would compete, we'd have national team trainings, and he would spar all the, the best national athletes in the state, and he would get bloody noses, black eyes. But he knew that he could push us um, to be better athletes. And so he, he walked the walk. Um, and then finally he was just a good man. Right. You knew that he was always going to do the right thing. He was always ethical. He took the moral high ground on in every instance and in every situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, that's a true leader. It's not, he wasn't in it for the accolades. Um, he was proud of what he did, right. but he didn't want the accolades. He always gave them back to the athlete. Right. Uh, it was really cool when I, you know, when you would win a medal, one of the historical things we did in our school was you would present the medal to the coach because mm-hmm. that's how you really got the skills. Right. So you present the medal to the coach and the coach was theoretically supposed to put it, hang it in his dojo, right? It was mm-hmm. the coaches and the and the and the, um, the club's medal. But our coach always just gave it right back to you and said, hey, you earned this, you deserve it. Go hang it in your own that's dojo. Awesome.
0: So That's awesome. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's, I always find when, you know, for me personally, when I go to a conference and I hear somebody speak and what they're, you know, who inspired them and and what was that, Um, maybe it was multiple people who did it, but, you know, we, always, there is that person that we, someone may have in their life. And if they're looking for that person to, you know, learn from or um help them to be more motivated in their career or in life in general to find that person if they feel like they don't have one it's just to seek that person out uh because those people are out there and uh, take advantage of those opportunities and be in the room and um and really kind of just soak it in when you get that opportunity to hear somebody speak uh if you go to a conference and 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 enjoy the moment for what it is and, and um so when i go to conferences i look for those and and those people and try and figure out what their backstory is so um, because I feel like somebody and there's some point in, in their alive that somebody helped them get to where they are. and um, and so I, I just I, I thank you for sharing all that. It's just it's awesome. I appreciate it very much. Um, but i want I want to shift over to like when we talk about our personal struggles with our drive in life and career, and how do you deal with them, identify them and not let them control who you are and kind of what you stand for or affect your personal drive. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? For for you or what
1: advice that you would offer up to somebody? Well, well, you actually just gave the advice, Dave. You the first thing you got to do is find a mentor. You know, you, and sometimes you got to stick your neck out a little bit. I I for years I did personal training, and one of the guys I trained was a really interesting man. He was he grew up he was dyslexic. He dropped right. out of high school in ninth grade because back in those times they didn't identify dyslexia very well. And so his parents literally thought he was, you know, partially, um, you know, Mm -hmm. developmentally disabled. I don't know what the term is, but they literally thought he was not intelligent. And so, uh, and the teachers didn't know how to identify. He couldn't read, right? Mm -hmm. Dyslexics often have a struggle reading. And when you you can't read, people identify you as ignorant. right? So he drops out of high school, um, ends up um, working at a car lot, And the car lot, and when I say car lot, it was in one of those dealerships where they have like four or five cars for sale, you know, and they're just, they're just trying to flip a car here or there. And he works at this dealership and the guy eventually says, Hey, you know, I got to sell this dealership Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're so passionate about selling cars and cleaning cars and, and do you want to, would you want to buy it? And so this guy, he went out and got five different credit cards. And he bought this dealership on five credit cards wow. of, of money and some money that he had saved. Flash forward 30 years, he's the number one Mercedes Benz dealer in the in the world. And he had actually partnered with professional athletes and he mm. sold all the Mercedes Benz uh Benzes to the Denver Nuggets. And um back in the day, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bought from him mm. and mm-hmm. he sold his franchise and he's you know a multi-gazillionaire now. Right. Um, but anyhow, he at one point, I said, you're so smart at business, you're so intelligent. you always have an answer, and he, he's really thinks on his feet. He's got this it's the school of hard knocks, right? He didn't go to Columbia or get his MBA from Stanford. He's just grew up on the streets in Philadelphia. and he became my mentor. And so, mm-hmm. anyhow, find that guy. Find your Jerry <laughs> out right. there. And sometimes you gotta ask, you gotta, you know set yourself up for failure a little bit. Somebody might say no, they might say I'm mm-hmm. too busy. But 9 out of 10 times, if you say, hey, you're so intelligent, I'm really impressed with your business acumen. I'd love if we could grab a cup of coffee once a month and you just share with me some of your knowledge. Right. So that's that's the first thing. Um, the second thing isn't really mutually exclusive from that, but it's just utilizing your resources. So over the last 10 to 15 years, I've become much more of an entrepreneur. I By the way, I started out I was a physical therapist and strength coach. And that's what I did for my whole career. It wasn't until the last 15 years that I got this entrepreneurial bug. I'd always worked for somebody else. I got this bug and I said, you know what? I can do some stuff on my own. And now now I'm a full-time innovator in the fitness space. So, um, but the way I got there is I utilized my resources. So that's the second thing. Find a mentor. second thing is utilize your resources. You're going to, you know... uh, videography, it's not my my specialty. So I had clients that I said, Hey, can I trade out with you? Will you Mm -hmm. do video production for me? And I'll train you for free and the guy was elated to do that he didn't want to pay for training and he didn't he he right. didn't have the disposable income but he had great skills at videography and by the way i watched him and i grew and i listened and i now i can do a lot of my own stuff right so utilizing your resources sometimes you have somebody do it for you but you listen and oh. learn from them mm-hmm. and that could be in in accounting and videography it could be in website design it could be sales and marketing you know digital assets Um, utilize your resources and learn from other people. Um, And then the final thing is just sometimes you got to lean into the adversity. I mean, if you think about it, well, let me talk for myself, but I I guarantee everybody will commiserate with this. Every time in my life that I've had a massive step in my growth or progression as an athlete, um, as a business entrepreneur, in my interpersonal relationships, it is when I've gone through some level of adversity. It's when I've struggled. That's right. when you learn and grow the most. I mean, it's it's like one of God's kind of twisted paradoxes that you're mm-hmm. not going to learn, you're not going to grow, you're not going to develop, you're not going to evolve without some level of adversity. There's a great uh, quote. You can find this online. Google Jocko Willink. Um, I forget how to spell his last name, but just Google Jocko on adversity. And he, he was a, a, a Navy SEAL leader. Uh, he, he was a commando leader in the Navy SEALs. And he loved adversity. And his troops would come to him and they'd say, our our tender boat, the one of the motors went out. We can't utilize this boat to, to ex, you know, do our excursion. And he would say, good. How are we going to solve this problem? Right. And, of course, his subordinates were like, good. What do you mean good? We We got troubles here. We got to fix the boat. He says, good this is going to be an opportunity for us to learn our mechanical skills and how to fix boats out in the field. right? And then the guys would go, oh, okay. And they're literally opening up a user's manuals on how to fix, you know, um, uh, boat, boat engines out in the field. So this idea, it's a complete mind twist, but anytime adversity comes up now for me, I say, good. What can I learn from this? How am I going to grow? And if you approach it that way, it's a complete mind shift. It's going to take you some time and some practice to to get good at this, because typically our natural reactions are, oh, my gosh, this is going to be slower. This is going to be harder. This I don't have time for this. This is stressful. And all of a sudden you go through that process um, and that's how you get. I so. I don't know if this will come up or not today, David. But I wrote a book. It's my first book ever. It's called Cruise.
0: That's my that's my next that's my next question. Okay. Well,
1: <laughs> I don't want to steal your thunder, but I just want to share one point. So I'm I'm what I thought was in final edits of this book. If you've ever written a book, which you have, you know it's not an easy thing to write. It's right. not an easy thing to do. So this one took me seven years. I'm not saying I dedicated seven years straight, but it to from start to completion, it took me seven years. I go in for my final edit, which I thought was my final edit. And for those listening, you can't see this, but these are the editor's marks. There's literally, David, can you see these marks? Yes, There's little sticky tabs, probably <laughs> over a hundred sticky tabs. And that's what I got back. I thought I was literally, you know, it's a finish line. Mm-hmm. And I get a book back with a hundred sticky tabs in it that I have to address. So, you know, I, I kind of freaked out for five seconds. And I took three deep breaths. And I said, good, the book's now going to be better because I've got a good editor that's not lazy, that actually went through the process of Mm -hmm. picking this book apart. And I ended up with a better book because of it. So be open to adversity, lean into it. And that's where the growth happens.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's really great advice, honestly, is to look at adversity totally different how you said we normally would react to it. And take that as an opportunity to like and for my example we went through a remodel of our fitness facility seven years ago and our contractor had an issue with a part and our televisions um weren't coming in and anyone who likes to work out either owns a gym or when you go to the gym if the TVs go out it could be the equipment could go down but the, if the TVs go out they're they're all on you like so we we're oh, like yeah. got it we got to get these TVs fixed we got to so I'm like, I'm not very handy. I'm like, he's like, let me teach you this. And I'm, I was getting stressed out. And he's like, let me let me show you. Let me teach you this. So something simple, like either I could have like taken that and gotten stressed out and, and, and we were going to have to delay our opening or I could learn something that I never, a skill I never even thought I could even do. And he taught me literally how to attach these cables on, cut this wire, connect it and and I so I did literally 25 machines on my own. So he left and left me with this box of, you know, like bolts. And anyone who knows me who's listening knows. And that's, so again, the most handy person in the world. But I was pretty impressed with myself. I was like, hey, I did this all by myself. So I took that as even back then, ne- you know, we continue to learn and evolve. So it doesn't have to be anyone who's listening. If you're in high school, middle school, college, as adults, we're always evolving. We're always learning. So um, fantastic advice. Thanks be on that. So which I was, and I'm glad you brought up your book because I want to give you a plug on that. And <laughs> uh first time again, first time I met Pete, he was speaking at um Todd Durkin's um re- one of his retreats, and um I think your book had just come out or was coming out, um, and you brought some to the to the um retreat. And uh so I you know, of course, i you, we went online and Pete was gracious, I'm gonna give these books out. And I'm like, No, I want to support him just because I'm fired. He's fired me up, so I want to support his book. So I went out. Literally in the middle of conference, I'm on Amazon, I buy it, Pete signs the book. So, but the book is it's it's interesting because it's got like in you know, anyone who can read the description on Amazon, but it's got a little bit of everything in there. And you know, like, like, uh, you would, I think either you wrote it or somebody else, um, but little description on there is it's got a little bit of adventure, romance, tragedy, um, and really lets the reader feel the story. And, um, you can't help but as you're reading this book to really pull for this individual to succeed so can you let's talk about like why you wrote it quick and let's just dive into that why you wrote it the thought press process behind the book um anything yeah obviously you showed the the marks again people can't see what pete was holding up but all these little tabs but anything that you wish you'd done differently um uh, with the with the whole process
1: yeah the the book i wish i had some great organic story i honestly was At this point, I was working for a company called TRX, and I'd launched a product called the TRX Rip Trainer, which was an asymmetrical bar. It's a rotational training device. Um, And and by the way, it's kind of morphed now into the Golf Forever Swing Trainer. So any golfers out there that are listening, you gotta Google the Golf Forever Swing Trainer. It's just a great golfing tool, but a great tool for any sport. So I'm traveling at this point all over the world. I mean, I'm in Thailand, I'm in Brussels, I'm in London, I go to Germany. And every other week, I'm traveling to to the other part of the world. And Mm -hmm. so during these travels, I was writing feverishly. I was writing about strength and conditioning and and performance and core activation and all this stuff. Well, after you do, after you write, and then you speak and you present at these two or three-day seminars, and then you write on an eight-hour flight on the way home, at some point, you just get burnt out. And so I was burnt out and I was flying back. I want to say it was from Thailand, which is like a massive flight flying to San Francisco. And I had, you know, whatever, basically a day and a half of travel ahead of me. And I said, I'm so sick of writing. I want to write something that's creative. And so at first I thought I'd write about strength and conditioning. And I started that and I said, I'm so sick of strength and conditioning. What would I write if I was writing a fictional Something about fiction. Um, and so I said it would have to be about an underdog, it'd have to be about an athlete because I'm so into athletics, it'd mm-hmm. have to be about development and adversity and progression and evolution. There'd have to be mentors in there and there would have to be martial arts because I love martial arts. And right. you know what? what if it was about biking? Because I grew up in Colorado, you know, and I wanted to be a professional bike racer, but I was, you know, I'm 6'2, 225 pounds, mm-hmm. not really the frame for a bike racer. Right. And so all this stuff started to come together. And the the main crux of the story it would have to be about an underdog, somebody that was really set up for failure from jump. And at the time, we we're going through a lot. What we still are with immigration issues and mm-hmm. and uh, um, and deportation and and I, this isn't a political book, by the way. It right. is literally a story about overcoming adversity. And so. I had a really good friend in graduate school. His name was Manuel Delgado, and he had a son named Cruz. So I came up with this character named um, Manuel Cruz Delgado, and the the, the book is called Cruz. And right. it ended up be becoming about uh, a Hispanic kid that grew up in an impoverished town in Mexico. And the, the village was overrun with drug smugglers. And his parents, after multiple run-ins with these drug um, smugglers, try said man we got to get this kid out of town because they're trying to recruit my kid Mm -hmm. they got him a bike and they said go ride up to this mountain knowing that when he rode up to the mountain there was no drug dealers up there they couldn't recruit him so he got this uh, bike called the red rocket and his parents like you know saved all their money and and you know begged bartered and you know stole to get Mm -hmm. this bike for the kid and he ends up riding up this mountain every day well when you're young and you're training at high altitudes and you're riding up to this mountain he got really adept at riding and i'm not going to st- um i'm not going to give the story away but anyhow he finds his way to aspen colorado <laughs> through a bunch of trials and uh, adversity and realizes that he's a prodigal's son on the bike mm-hmm. and aspen has a high school cycling team and kind of out of ha- happen chance he gets recruited by the coach and that's the start of this this journey about overcoming adversity, but the, I guess the point of the story is that we're all underdogs at some point in our life. Most of us, now I was in Aspen for years and in Aspen, it's a very unique culture and people are born, you know, you heard this expression, silver spoon, but Mm -hmm. I'm talking, you you know, you've never seen silver spoon until you go to Aspen. I mean, people are flying around in, in $60 million planes and that's how they get to and from they, they fly their dogs this is a true story, uh, client that um, flew in a plane, flew his family out, and then he had two dogs. So he sent the plane back to LA to pick up the dogs. Wow. <laughs> so they got two, two, a pilot, a co-pilot, and a flight attendant in a Gulf Stream to fly two two pets back. It probably was thirty thousand dollars or more right, to fly right, dogs right. back to Aspen, which is, I mean, g- good on you, like rock and roll. That's <laughs> freaking
0: outstanding. If you, you can do it, yeah,
1: great. If you can do it. But most people aren't born into that situation, is what I'm saying, David. Most people have to overcome adversity. So this story is really about an underdog that that's not just you know got bullied and picked on, but came from no money, came from nothing. But we all have a gift. Mm-hmm. It's up to us to find that gift. And once you find that gift, all you do is imply the P, the passion, the immersion and the competition. And so that's what the story is all about, um, is is overcoming adversity and finding some mentors in your life that can help navigate you, because, like you said earlier, You know LeBron James and Michael Jordan and 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 Bill Gates Mm -hmm. uh, and Elon Musk. I guarantee, if if you interviewed them, they had somebody that helped them along the way that taught them something that was instrumental Mm -hmm. in their life and their progression upwards. Absolutely. And
0: um, the one thing about that, as as I said earlier, as you read the book and anyone out there, I encourage you to other than Amazon, they
1: can find on Amazon, correct? You can find it on Amazon. What? It's funny because I do this presentation. uh, I present a lot in the fitness industry. And I say, you know, stick your neck out there. Do something you've never done before, which is writing a book. I mean, I had no clue how to write a book, especially a fictional work. Are you kidding me? And so... And sometimes you're going to fail. So I pull up on Amazon. The book started out at like $22.95 or something. Probably is what you paid for. It's now like $4.95. They're basically giving them away. And so it's kind of a funny joke because it's like, I'm not saying I wrote the book to make a million dollars. It was a bucket list thing for me. It was, obviously I want to help other people. It's about an underdog story. And I think if you read the book, Um, I'm extremely proud of this book. I think there's a lot of lessons in this Mm -hmm. book and it's not just about athleticism. It's not just about leadership or mentorship. There's, there's a lot to learn in this book, but it was, I wrote it for me. It was something that I put myself out there, stuck my neck out. I said, can I, can I write a book? Mm -hmm. Can I complete it? Can I get it published? Can I get it out there on Amazon and can I do it about something that I know nothing about. It wasn't about sports performance or physical therapy. It was, it was a fictional book. Right. And so, uh, but anyhow, the book's $4.95 now. So that tells you how successful the book's been at this point. Sometimes well, you fail on this journey, right,
0: David? Right. Yeah. But I mean, I, in, all, in all honesty and, and joking aside, the, the book has a good message and I encourage anybody to get it uh, regardless of the price, maybe um, make a donation to Pete's favorite charity or something but like it's just it is a good read and and you can't help but pull for the character to succeed and I, I enjoyed it in fact I bought two so <laughs> when I was there so um but uh I want to jump over to a, a kind of a rapid fire thing um for if you if you got some a few more minutes yeah I, I I love to kind of, as I'm doing this podcast and I'm learning and I'm trying to get better you know as I said we continue to learn and get involved but I try and just ask people other questions. So I asked my daughter and my son, you know, like, what, what's a good question to ask a podcast guest? And uh, so they both came up with kind of really a multiple, but I picked one particular one that really stood out to me. And I want to ask you this. So if you could go back in time and meet the younger version of yourself. Uh, oh, what would I like you, it already. What would you do? Um, what would you say? Or what or what like what would you want to say to that, you know, to your younger version of yourself, knowing what you know now?
1: I, I would say um take your time, take three deep breaths, right? First, take three deep breaths, take your time and believe. Just believe, believe in the process, believe in the, the adversity. Um, believe in yourself just have that inner confidence because like i said we all have something very unique to offer the world and it's up to you to to expose yourself to experiences in this life whether it be in sports world whether it be in your business career trajectory whether it be in interpersonal relationships and meeting new people expose Mm -hmm. yourself and then you got to walk through the door and then you got to you got to compete and you got to believe that something good is going to come from from what you're doing. And that's the biggest thing As I would tell myself, believe I spent so much time beating myself up mm-hmm. and, and struggling with confidence, and not really wanting to take chances, because I didn't want to let people down. I didn't want to let myself down. I didn't want to. I didn't want to put myself up for a chance to fail. Mm-hmm. And when reality, <laughs> it's it's all about that. It's all setting right. yourself up to failure. How yeah. do you know if you can write a book until you write a book? Right. How do you know it's going to be successful until you fail? Well, guess what? Maybe now my next book, I'm going to understand the process more and I'm going to have a chance to succeed. Although I really feel I already succeeded because I set my mind to something and I did something.
0: So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you said something that really it kind of just it struck a chord for me too is, and that's something that I struggle with well as well even to this day it's always it's confidence like something even growing up it's, it was a self confidence and you constantly you build yourself up and you feel like occasionally you get knocked down a peg but one of the things um to i think to deal with that is for me is to um is to remind myself to and take a take a moment to kind of reflect uh on things and and appreciate and and you kind of circle back to that that point of um you know that uh that you've really accomplished um a lot and you can you can um overcome things so it's constantly a
1: a good reminder for you know for yourself i feel like well it's it's, you're almost talking about gratitude right right you know what 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 have you done in this life and what are you grateful for and and what accomplishments have you achieved and that's a great exercise to do sometimes when you're feeling down you feel like you haven't gotten anywhere i talked to you know millennials all the time, and they're like, you know, I'm not making a million dollars. I'm not famous mm-hmm. on YouTube. I've only got a thousand followers, and you start thinking to yourself, what What are you like? 31 years old? Are you kidding me? Right. You, right. you know, just start. You know, like literally, I just got out of graduate school when I was, uh, I think, 27 years old. I was just starting my career. Now I know times have changed, and there's mm-hmm. people that get out of high school and they're already entrepreneurs but give yourself a chance to, to catch up and be grateful um, that of what you have achieved and what you have accomplished and, and just have that confidence. You got to have a little bit of swagger. One of my first mentors um, in, in strength and conditioning, this guy had so much swagger. And One time I pulled him aside. And I said, why are you so confident? He's like, he's like, it's all smoke and mirrors, man. He pulled me aside. He said, I'm really scared of failing. And I just, I'm nervous and scared. And I overcompensate by being confident. Right. And I said, are you kidding me? Like he, he pulled the wool over my eyes because I thought he was the most confident Mm -hmm. guy. And, you know, I took it to heart. I said, it's okay to fake it a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so at the start of fights, when I first started my full contact kickboxing career, um, this was a, a diversion after my Taekwondo career. I said, I wanted to get, I want to really test myself in full contact mm-hmm. kickboxing. And I was so nervous and scared, David. I mean, mm-hmm. like my heart was beating out of my chest. I had my friends there. My family was there. My best buddy who was co- kind of coaching me. And, and he, I said, coach, I'm so nervous. I don't like, I, what if I get knocked out? He, and he said, I said, what's my, what should my strategy be? You know, cause I'm thinking I'm going to jab. Jab, jab, move around, run around the ring, get, get kind of warmed up and up to speed. And the same guy who had, who filled me with some swagger, he said, you're going to hit this guy so hard. You're going to instill the fear in him from the second, the the bell rings that he's going to want to quit. And I said, oh, interesting. More of like a Mike Tyson kind of thing. So what did I do? I went out, I hit the guy and kicked him as hard as I possibly could because I wanted to send a message. That I'm there's only one alpha in the ring, and right. I'm kind of puffing up right now. But when right. you're boxing, you kind of have to believe that, right? Otherwise, right. you're in trouble, right? right. And exactly. the same thing is with track and field you know, you're setting up for a 400 meter at the start, you're not looking around with your posture sunken in and like, gee shucks, golly, maybe I'll try to compete. You're right. thinking, you're puffed up, you're thinking, you know what? Oh, right. Why not me? Yeah. Why not? I'm gonna win this fight. So you know, it's, it's just all about confidence. And that's what I would tell my younger self. If you have to fake it, fake it till you make it, fake it till you become it right. and, and get after it. Let's go.
0: Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's a, I thought it was a, I mean, a pretty interesting viewpoint from a 12 and 14 year old <laughs> when, I, when I asked this. So, so I was like, wow, that's a pretty good question. I'm, I'm going to use that and I'll use another one next time. But the, I, I said, in time, essence of time, I'm just going to use one of the questions for today. Um, So, uh. Some of the things I like to ask Pete, and as we wrap this up is um, like uh, each guest, I there's a kind of a fun fact or, you know, or talent about yourself that people may not know, or maybe you're, um, or something that you want to do. Is there something about Pete that you feel comfortable like, uh, share, that you'd
1: like to share that people generally don't know about you? Uh, yeah. So my most, re- well, I say most recent, I've been doing it actually for several, for several years now, but I've gotten into guitar. Uh, you know, I grew up I was kind of a little bit of a hippie. I think I told you I was drinking and drugging when I was 16. And so I was hanging around with these guys that listened to Led Zeppelin and, you know, Jimi Hendrix and Carlos Santana and all, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, are amazing artists. And I fell in love with this music, this classic rock music. And Mm -hmm. I always thought, wouldn't it be cool to play guitar like Eric Clapton? Mm -hmm. And and later in life, I, I was on a work assignment. I was in New York and I walked by a guitar center. And I just had this whim. I said, huh, I've always wanted to learn guitar. And I went in there and I bought a guitar and I said, I bought a cheap one. I said, if I, if I continue to play for six months, that was my kind of metric. Like if I play for six months, I'm going to come back and buy a better guitar. And I just fell in love with guitar. So that's something that most people don't know about me is that um, I'm a, I am i would not call myself a musician, but I love music. I love guitar. And I'm not saying I'm Eric Clapton, but I've gotten so much better and um and it's never too late to pick up something new in this life
0: yeah it, it's um we all have that kind of fun little fact or story or talent that a lot of people don't you know as you know as you walk around you talk to people i like spend a moment to kind of talk to somebody because you learn you really learn an interesting at least one thing about somebody even if it's just a stranger in a coffee shop you're talking to you start talking you, know, you talk to them long enough they'll, they'll open up even more but always find it interesting to find out like what's that secret talent that person, they gotta have some kind of talent or something hidden that um, i want to, you know, tap into. So um, t- social media, Pete, like contact points, where can somebody find you uh, if they want to reach out to you, maybe have you come speak to them or a group or just, you know, chat with you. How
1: can they Absolutely. find Absolutely. I've got a website, which is pretty much your one-stop shop. It's ph1performance.com. So, P is in Peter, H is in Holman One is the number one. And then performance, ph one performance.com. And you know, you can find all my social media handles on there. I'm most active on Instagram. I'm not sure why that is, but I just have grabbed, I think it's probably because it's the most user-friendly right. uh, model that I've found out there. But um, I'm at Pete Holman One on Instagram. And yeah, you can and my email is on there. So any if any one of you want to reach out and you've got questions, you have got concerns, you've um, you just need a little pump up. I'm, I'm around, I'm available. I would love to mm-hmm. connect with people and, and, you know, maybe lend some advice here and there.
0: And we'll put, we'll put all that in the show notes. So if anyone's, um, as they listen to this, trying to write it down, um, with a feverish <laughs> pitch, uh, we'll put it in there. So we'll get it. To, uh, so they can go back and, and contact you. But, uh, Pete is sincere when he says that is, uh, he, you know, he's, and I mean, I've enjoyed getting to know Pete to this point and uh, he's definitely as genuine as they come. So thanks for offering that Pete. Um, and in conclusion, so you're on the why not me podcast. What does that, um, phrase mean to you? And what would you say to someone out there who may ask, you know, they're asking them though, their self that question right now.
1: Well, I, by the way, I love, this is my favorite podcast name I've ever come across because it asks the old, the, you know, the the million dollar question why not me um everybody's got dreams Mm -hmm. we all have dreams even if you say oh my dream's dead or i'm not i'm not you know i don't dream i'm too old bs we all have dreams Mm -hmm. we all want to achieve something and we want to succeed and we want to actualize our human potential and then isn't that what life is all about and i you know People always tell you this, but I'm going to give you a blueprint right here. So special edition. Here's the blueprint for actualizing your human potential, Mm -hmm. um, executing on why not me and fulfilling your dream. First of all, a dream is just a dream until you write it down. This was Emmett Smith wrote, wrote that years ago when he was a running back in college. And somebody told him that. He said, write your dream down about playing in the NFL. Long story short, Emmett Smith is a Hall of Fame running back. So write down your dream. The second thing I like to do is visualize my goal, visualize my dream. And I got this from martial arts. In martial arts, there's a huge component of visualization, in fact, all sports. And so sometimes before the event, you'll visualize yourself, you know, receiving the gold medal, standing on the podium. You've got your eyes closed, you're breathing, and you're literally conjuring up in your mind a vision of yourself succeeding. And there's there's neuroplasticity. There's research on this where – Parts of your brain light up when you do things like that, and it helps you execute on your on your dreams and goals. The third thing you got to do is at some point, and this is risky, this is the hardest part is you got to tell somebody your dream, right? So you write it down, you visualize it happening, and then at some point, it could be your spouse or your partner, because that's real safe. It could be a friend or a family member, or right. it could be a, a somebody in your mentor group. And it, it's, it's kind of... Um humbling to share your dream with somebody, because if it doesn't come true, then you've, you're you held accountable, right? right? But at some point, you got to share it with somebody else. And the final thing you got to do, and this is the most important, when when those storm clouds are hovering overhead, and everything seems like it's impossible, you got to buckle up your bootstraps, mm-hmm. you got to pin your ears back, you got to put on your game face, and you got to go out, and you got to compete like the champion that you are. And that's how you execute on your goal and that's how you figure out why not me
0: Mm -hmm. that's a i don't i think we should wrap on that because that's pretty (laughs) that's pretty powerful answer and i appreciate that Pete. it's a it's so it's so important that and you know people ask as i when i started the podcast and even why are you doing it and why'd you write the book and where'd you come up with the name and you i mean you, you couldn't have said it any better it's really it's just a question i feel like i've asked myself you know my whole life and then when covet happened i really as a 48 49 year old man i'm like what am i doing like you know like why you know like start having those self-doubts again and the confidence you know that member that memory of a you know 11 12 year old boy of where's my you know i don't lacking in my confidence again like you know, I have to I, I took a step back and i'm like well why not you know why not me i started writing things down i i, I got away from journaling and writing and 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 really identifying who I remembering who I was and how how I got where I was and you know the the process along the way. And so I mean that was just that that phrase just kept coming up. The word appreciate kept coming up. The phrase why not me kept coming up. And I'm like, let's I'm not let me see if I could put a book together and talk about how hard it is to put a book together. But and it was very hard because you know you gotta like As as Todd, I'm gonna refer to Todd again because you know you know he's a good mentor of mine, and is you know got to have that butt glue. Put the you know sit down in the in your seat and just write, whether it's a page, a word, and um, and it was a process, but I was glad I did it because the whole reason behind, um, and I hope to get. Deliver the message and inspire others. If there's just one person out there who listens to this podcast or reads the book and listen and takes something away from a guest that I brought on, then then it's all worth it to me. So um, I really appreciate your time and and coming on and um, and really uh, you know kind of just opening up and sharing your story and your message. So thank you for that.
1: Uh, thank you for what you do. And by the way, I just changed my ritual. So I you know I said keep saying three deep breaths, three deep breaths followed by why not me that's my new mantra <laughs> i
0: love it love it thanks pete well um i look forward to catching up with you at another um conference or or you got something coming on let me know because i'd love to i know you were just out at um was it were you out at ursa is that where
1: you were I, recently? i was not at ursa but i'll be at ideal world speaking on the psychology of winning this july uh, in California. And also, uh, I, I deliver a session on be, becoming a golf ninja, which is just a fun,
0: uh, fun way
1: to kind of intersperse some of my martial arts training with golf training, which there's a lot of correlations there between fluidity and and balance and posture and alignment and belief. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, come see me in uh, Ideal World in California in July.
0: Definitely take advantage of that. And uh, P, again, thanks for your time. And I appreciate it and look forward to connecting again soon. Keep the dream alive. Thanks, buddy. Take care. Wow. Well, today was probably, um, if I'm being honest, one of my favorite episodes uh, thus far. Uh, Pete delivered and then some. I hope you've enjoyed it just as much as I have. And we will put all his contact information in the show notes. and. His um, uh, message, again, was just one that uh, really I enjoyed bringing to uh, our audience, and I hope you have uh, enjoyed it just as much as I have, and look forward to providing more content like this. If there's something special you would like to hear um, from the show, drop us a line, a message, and the topic, uh, something that you need um, for us to Uh, maybe address, or uh, you need help with something, we'd be uh, honored to provide that. And we look forward to providing content that benefits our listeners, uh, just as Pete did today. Again, Pete knocked it out of the park. And uh, I've enjoyed his message and his stories. And he's such a phenomenal speaker in person. So I encourage you to check out our show notes, contact Pete, follow Pete on Instagram. And if you're looking for a speaker uh, or just someone to um, offer a bit of advice, um, contact Pete, and um, I know he will uh, deliver and and help in any way he can. If you like the show, please give us a like and a five-star rating and share this episode with a friend. As always, remember, when in doubt, ask yourself, why not me? Why not now? Until next time, have a great day.